The Church Media Podcast, episode 177, The Heart of a Worship Leader with Meredith Andrews, part two. Let's do it. This is the Church Media Podcast. The definitive podcast for helping you create dynamic experiences and build solid media production teams at your church. Exclusive interviews and church media training from the best minds in ministry and Christian entertainment. Useful, practical content in the areas of audio, lighting, video, stage design, volunteer culture, and more. Broadcasting from the ministry headquarters of 1230 Media, here's your host, Carl Barnhill. Hey guys, welcome to the show this week. Thanks for being here. Today we'll be wrapping up my conversation with Christian music recording artist Meredith Andrews. Meredith is an incredible worship leader and will encourage us today about what the heart of a worshiper looks like. Feel free to back up an episode and listen to part one of my interview with her last week. And before I take you to part two of my interview with her, I want to share with you a little bit more about 1230 Media, our ministry. Here is our why. We want to see churches, ministries, and artists create and execute dynamic large group worship experiences. We want to help the local church create worship experiences that set the environment for God to change lives. And here's how we do it. We produce media content and training resources that help you, as leaders, craft experiences that communicate the message of the gospel effectively. That is what we are all about, helping you transform your worship experiences so that you can set the environment for God to radically change lives in your church and in your community. It all comes down to life change. Let's remember that. We want to see people come to Christ and believers grow in their relationship with Christ through your church. We want to help that happen. You're always welcome to call us. 910-849-1230 is our number. Our heart is to help you. We love you guys. All right, let's move to the conclusion of my interview with recording artist Meredith Andrews. Meredith has some great wisdom here about our stage presence, how we can discern where the Spirit is leading while you're on stage, and more on the heart of a worshiper. Let's listen. This is an exclusive interview from the Ministry of 1230 Media. Here is church media coach Carl Barnhill. Okay, switching gears a little bit, uh, let's bring you to the stage, okay? So when you're on stage, how do you know when an audience is engaging? Now, I know the obvious, raise hands, singing along with you, but is there an observation or is there a a feeling, a leading, a prompting by the Holy Spirit um, how do you know that an audience is connecting and and where to where to go when you're on stage? Yeah, well, I mean, it is like the obvious whenever you see um, external kind of expression. Um, and uh, Carl, I I remember, you know, when I first started leading worship, I would get kind of frustrated when I wouldn't see a response. You know, when I wouldn't. Um, I was just like, what is wrong with 
everybody, don't you know what we're singing about? You know, <laughs> but I realized that the people's response isn't actually my responsibility. Um, my responsibility is just to spend time in the presence of the Lord and to hear his heart for his people, to love these people more than I love the music or even the, the service and just to go, I'm here to serve. I'm here to pour out. I'm here to love on them and, and bring them to a place, usher them to a place. Uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit, where they get to encounter the presence of God and be changed. Now, you know, there are some times when there are, um, you know, being in a service, and I'm sure if there are worship leaders listening that they can relate, that there are times in a service where you just feel like you're hitting a wall, you know, and and the people might not be responding. There might be a few that are, but you just feel like you're coming up against something and you, you can't get past it. And a lot of times, um, that is something just spiritual that needs to be broken off. And maybe it's something you just need to keep singing over and you just need to keep pressing in and just going, oh, God, I'm going to go after your heart and I'm going to believe that you have something for these people in this moment right now that's different from yesterday. It's going to be different from tomorrow, but it's significant. And so I'm going to press in. I'm going to press through, and I'm going to trust you to come through as I'm singing these truths over the atmosphere and over everyone's hearts and over my own heart. I'm singing the truth of God over myself and back to you, believing that that it's the truth that's going to set us free. And so I think... um, you know, sometimes those things can be quantified, like you can see people's, people are engaged or they're not engaged, or you can just kind of feel it in the atmosphere. And again, I think that's um, a lot of times spiritual warfare, when you just have to just kind of go dig in your heels and go, no, we're here to worship God, and that's what we're going to do regardless of what it feels like, because worship is more than a feeling. It's, it's not a feeling. It's, it's a response to the fact that God is worthy in every situation of our lives. So when you're talking about pressing in, let me run off of that for just a second. How do you know when to kill a song? How do you know when it's run its course? Do you mean um, just it, like for over a duration of time, like you've sung it a thousand times, or you mean like in a one service? I mean really like over the course of several weeks or months. Like how do you know sure. when, okay, this song is done, we need to kill it for a while, or or keep pressing in so that they learn it more? Like, how do you find the right balance of placing it in your sets? Well, I think, you know, if you've sung a song that's like kind of one of those oldie oldie but goodies, like sometimes you might need to just rest it for a little bit and because you don't want it to become robotic and you don't want it to become this um, just automatic thing where no one's really actually thinking about what they're singing anymore, but it's like, oh, I've sung this a thousand times and, I'm kind of over it, and and so maybe it's just sometimes if you feel that, and I think I think worship leaders can get a sense sense for when that a song feels tired, um, that you can even just rest it for a little bit, you know, rest it for five or six weeks, and then just bring it back and see if there's new life again to it. Because when you're singing old truths, they never get old. Um, and I, my pastor was actually preaching uh, this Sunday about. Um, how, you know, the Bible talks about singing a new song and how we still sing these old songs. And he was kind of wrestling with it. He's like, God, you never say sing the old songs. You always say sing a new song. But it's the, And he started kind of diving into that thing. And there are going to be times when you just sing out a new song or you sing out a spontaneous song to the Lord in that moment. But when you actually are singing an old song in a new way or you're singing it from a new place or it's, it's, 
every day is new, right? And every day God is doing something new. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? The old is gone. The new has come. And so when we're, when we're taking an, uh, an older song that we've sung a lot of times, and it feels tired, but we're saying, God, I still believe that what I'm singing is true. And even just saying that to your congregation, just going, I know that we've sung this song a few times and you've got it down now, but let's really just press in and think about what we're saying to God and let it become new again. And it will, you know, I think it's just that renewing our mind and just going, God, this is still true of you, and I still love to sing about this, and I want it to elicit a response in my heart because of the truth of it, because of the weight of it, because I know that you're so worthy of what I'm saying, what I'm singing in this song. So how do you wrestle with, a lot of worship leaders can wrestle with a rock star mentality, or uh, you know, be, loving the spotlight, loving being seen on the pedestal, even if we don't admit that. Um, so how do you how do you fight against that kind of rock star mentality feeling? Sure. Well, you know what? I don't think that um, I could be wrong in this, but I don't think that the rock star mentality is necessarily um, is is necessarily like a self promotion all the time. Sometimes I think it comes from an insecurity. Sometimes I think it comes from a place of wanting to be accepted, wanting to be embraced, wanting to do something worthwhile. Um, at least that is, that's what it is for me. And when I wrestle with that, it's, it's not a, I want everybody to know my name. It's more of, I want to find my place and I want people to be impacted by my life. And so, you know, I think it's more about just going, God, You have put a call on my life, and it's bigger than me. It's not about what I do or what I sing or if people remember my name. It's about... It's about being a vessel. It's about being a conduit that you can flow through and call people to yourself. Because, and I love this, my my dear friend and brother, Andy Rozier from Vertical, he always talks about how worship leaders are like tour guides. Um, They're not the thing that people came to see, but they have to know what they're talking about. They have to know what they're singing about. They have to know the person that they're singing about. And so we're just tour guides. We're, we're We're the people that are saying, hey, look at that. Look at him. Come with me. Let me show you this. And, and when, we, when we have a perspective like that, it's not about us anymore. There's a place for us. Praise God that he makes, a, he makes a way for each of us, and he has something significant for each of us. And the dreams that we have in our hearts are dreams that he's put there, and he can outdream us any day. But it's bigger than ourselves. And so that's why it's so important to be anchored in his word and to understand our identity, that it's not about what people say or how many followers we have or what people think about us or if they even like our worship leading. It's about being faithful where God has placed us. And I think in order to um, just kind of dispel that rock star mentality— because we live in such a celebrity culture, and people gravitate towards celebrity, and they're fascinated with these the untouchable people, and no one, no human was ever meant to carry the weight of celebrity, and that, that's why um, it's such a dangerous place to walk, and that's why we see you know, celebrities just kind of sometimes going off the deep end because they were never meant to bear that weight. Jesus is the only celebrity, and everything that we do is meant to point back to him. And so I would say in order to just kind of, you know, dispel that rock star mentality, we come at it and approach what we do as servants, 
just like Jesus did. He didn't consider himself a rock star. He didn't consider himself uh, any anyone great. He didn't come as a a king and announce his um, his coming in the sky. He will come back as that. But he came as a baby in a manger in a barn. Like he didn't come in a palace. He didn't, he wasn't born to a royal family. He was born to a humble teenage girl. And it's just so beautiful and mind blowing, amazing to me when we just look at Jesus' life, the way that he lived. He spent thirty years of his life in obscurity. I'm sorry, I'm probably giving you more than you bargained for, but I'm super passionate about this because he had three years on the scene of public ministry. And uh, we were never meant for celebrity. We were we were meant to carry a bowl and a towel and to serve the people that he's called us to and to love the people more than the music and just to go, I want to point you to Jesus because he's the only he's the only one who can give you hope. He's the only one who can change your life. I'm on. You're starting to preach now. I got my oh, no, sorry. hands raised. <laughs> go, girl. Let's go. Uh, all right. So, um, a couple more questions as we as we kind of wrap our time together. So, we talked about um, uh, worship leaders being tour guides. Uh, that was uh, excellent. I, I love that. Uh, I want to talk about. Um, we touched on insecurities a little bit, so I want to get into that. Um, you and I have had the opportunity to. Uh, meet different artists and kind of be around different scenes. And I I think that um, that that's good in a way because we can see that the artist is, is human. (laughs) You know, we can see that, that these uh, people, um, you know, Christian music recording artists or uh, Christian celebrities or whoever that it might be, have the same insecurities as, as anyone else. And I think that applies to, to worship leaders as well is, Hey, if if people knew this about me, really, uh, you know, um, kind of thing. So maybe talk maybe about some of your insecurities or maybe some insecurities that worship leaders kind of wrestle with. Yeah, well, I think that insecurities, especially okay, if you're a worship leader, um, it, it probably means that you um, are creative, and I don't know what it is about creatives or artists. I, it, it seems to me wrestle with uh, certain insecurities more so than um, someone who's maybe an accountant, <laughs> you know, or uh, somebody who's more just kind of pragmatic and less creative. And I mean, I look at I look at David in uh, in the way that even he expressed himself uh, expressed himself in the Psalms. You know, he. He was so honest and so raw and so vulnerable. He was high one minute, he was low the next. And there's nothing wrong with being vulnerable, and there's nothing wrong with being honest. And I think with insecurities, like for me, um, you know, oh, I, gosh, I could, I mean, I could rattle off a bunch of, bunch of insecurities, but I think when I first started in my um, – you know, there was all this hype around my first record, and um, and it didn't take off like everybody said it would or thought it would. And I watched all these other people who had signed record deals at the same time as I did, and they were just, you know, all of a sudden, like, skyrocketing. And I'm just, like, piddling along. And I'm like, God, I remember saying this to the Lord. I said, God, I thought you called me to this. And I just felt like God so lovingly slapped me upside the head. And he was like, why would you think just because you didn't sell a certain amount of records that I didn't call you to this? Like, since when did success equal record sales? And, man, that just, like, humbled me so fast, Carl. And I just realized that that there was a work that needed to happen in my heart. And that's the journey that that was the moment that God just began to do this deep work in my heart where I was no longer rooted in um, 
my identity was no longer rooted in what people thought about me or how successful I was in the world's eyes. But God just began to train me and teach me that success in the kingdom looks like obedience and it looks like faithfulness. And that is it. And so in, we, we will have insecurities. There will be times when we feel insecure. But I, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. If it's something that we harp on, if it's something that we uh, fixate on and can't get past, then, then we definitely need to be free from it. But when we have insecurities or we find that we have shortcomings, that's, that only just drives us back to the feet of Jesus when we go, God, I'm so dependent on you. If you don't come through, I am toast. <laughs> and that's a good thing. That's a good thing to say, I am not enough, but to know that he is. And us with God, we, we are more than conquerors. And we can't do anything on our own. I don't want to do anything on my own. I don't want to do anything in my human strength. I don't want to do anything in my own security. I want to do everything empowered by the Holy Spirit, secure in my identity, knowing that I am a daughter of God. I'm a daughter of the King. I'm not perfect, but He uses me anyway, and He loves me anyway. And He has a plan for my life. And that's the thing for all of us is, you know, you might have something that you just really struggle with or a comparison thing or an insecurity thing or just feeling less than. And you are not less than. You Like, I think that it's so important for us to exercise, um, uh, just re- remind ourselves who we are. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We were knit together in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And all the things that God says about us, just begin to have a different dialogue in your head, you know? Sometimes we just have to preach ourselves, and we have to preach. I mean, I have to preach myself every day because my thoughts will tell me one thing, but I have to tell myself what the Word of God says. This is what God says about me. And then we're rooted and established in our identity in what He says, not what anybody else says, not what our thoughts say, not what the enemy says, but in what God says about us, and that is the securest place we can be. Come on. That's such good encouragement. Um, as we kind of wrap today, tell me about your, your new album. You have a live EP coming out, right? Yes, I have a live worship EP um, coming out. Actually, the first single comes out on December 7th, and then we'll release a single um, one a month until March, and it'll release at the beginning of March all six songs um, together. And we recorded it at uh, Rocket Town, which is where yeah. we meet for our church. Um, and so I wanted it to feel like church and I wanted it just to be a night of worship where people could come and be refreshed and sing out some new songs to the Lord and just be ministered to. And it was such a sweet night that I will never forget. And I mean, I could go on and on about what God did, but he just gave me so many pictures of what he was doing in the room, what he was doing in people. And even just uh, one of the things, the thing that we just talked about, identity, that he wanted to reestablish identity because, you know, living in Nashville, you can get caught up in the music scene and um, in what your title is or your role or um, your artistry. But really, our identity isn't about what we do. It's about who we are and what God says about us. And I felt like that night, specifically, God was saying, I want to reestablish identity for people who have lost it in their titles or their roles or their jobs. And um, and so that was really beautiful. And I'm, I'm just so excited to share these songs with people. And my prayer is that... Um, They'll just be able to to experience the presence of God and have feel the closeness of the Lord as they listen to these songs, as they worship. They'll get a higher view of God and um, be able to press into a deeper place of worship as they listen. Okay, um, you just got back from Israel, is that right? 
Yes. Tell me, tell me about that. I saw uh, some pictures and stuff on on Facebook, and uh, how long were you there, and what all did you get to see? Yeah, so um, my husband Jacob and I went to Israel for let's see, we were in country about seven days, so a, a shorter trip, um, but it was a life changing trip. Like I want to go back tomorrow, <laughs> I mean, I want to bring my kids, but anyway, that might be a little much. We'll, we'll wait till they're a little older. <laughs> but um, so we we saw, you know. Pretty much everything. The, the highlights for me were um, uh, being in Capernaum. Capernaum is right on the Sea of Galilee. It's where Jesus performed most of his miracles. It's also where he resided for uh, m- many of the three years that, uh, or most of much of the three years that he was in public ministry. He lived in um, Peter's mother-in-law's house. And we saw the ruins of that, which just struck me. I just started weeping when I saw it, just going, wow, Jesus, you actually lived here. You slept here. You ate here. You you had conversations with people under this roof. Like it was, it just oh, impacted me so much. Just cut straight to my heart. Um, the Sea of Galilee, being on the Sea of Galilee was amazing. We were on a boat. We, we actually, when we were in a, we were with a big group of people. We had been asked to come and lead worship with uh, Dr. Tony Evans and his family, and um, there were 700 people that came. So we had seven boats in the Sea of Galilee that we all tied together, and then we had a worship service. And I sang a song called Peace Be Still that's come out of our church, The Belonging, and it's straight from that scripture when Jesus calmed um, the wind and the waves on the Sea of Galilee. So singing that song on the Sea of Galilee, I mean, it undid me. Um Caesarea Philippi, where Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Um, It's a really special place. It's actually this cave or this big rock formation. I can't even describe it. It's beautiful. Um, But there used to be like a geyser, like a spring of water, rushing water coming out of this cave. And uh, thousands of years ago, people assumed that it was actually the gates of hell, that it was the um, opening to the underworld. That's what the pagans believed. And so when Jesus said that to Peter, he was right there. And he was saying the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I just love how Jesus used imagery and um, even like play on words. Like he was just brilliant. Um, and then obviously being in Jerusalem, seeing the garden tomb, um, which they're not sure that that's where Jesus rose, but it was something like it or was somewhere near there, but still very powerful. Um, seeing, uh, the church of the Holy Sepulcher where they built a church on Golgotha where Jesus was crucified and being able to touch the rock. It was, um, a phenomenal trip. And what I'll say is it just, I, everybody was kind of freaking out for us, because apparently there was some bombing going on. We had no idea. I've never felt safer in my life. <laughs> and it felt like home. Um, it just, knowing that Jesus walked there, lived there, um, I, it is something like I've never experienced before, and I can't wait to go back. Is that your fir- Was that your first trip there? No, it was the first trip. Yeah. I've never been. I always, I've always wanted to go. In fact, when I worked for Kay Arthur for the longest time, I never, I never yeah. went on a trip. We always sent teams. So, uh, um, yeah. something I've I really wanted to do. So that's awesome. Yeah, okay. You need to go. I do. Um, okay. I think well, Kay, I think Kay's going in the spring. See if you can hop on that trip. <laughs> I know. I know. She's like 85, still cranking. Something that's like so that. amazing. She Good is. For her. Yeah. Well, Meredith, it's been a pleasure, my friend, uh, knowing you for a long time and seeing how uh, God has been using you has been really exciting to, to see. And I know that 
um, you know, your, your family and everybody's so, so proud of you. And, and, uh, it's just awesome to see your obedience and, and, uh, where the Lord has taken you. So thank you so much for all that you're doing. And thanks for chatting with me today. Send my best to Jacob and the kids, if you would. I will. Thanks so much for having me, Carl. It's been such a privilege. This has been an all access interview from 1230 media. For more interviews, training, and exclusive content for your production team, visit 1230.media slash training. Hey guys, I hope you were encouraged today from Meredith. If you haven't checked out Meredith's music, I want to encourage you to do that. Just go to meredithandrews.com. You can buy music, check out her tour dates, get merchandise, see photos, and more. That's meredithandrews.com. And you just heard her talk about her new live EP coming out this year. Be on the lookout for that dropping slowly over the next few months. Just go to her website, meredithandrews.com. That's the best place to find her and get connected, meredithandrews.com. For additional resources for your team and more on the podcast, you can visit the show notes page for this episode at the Church Media Podcast com forward slash 177. It's all free for you. You can listen, learn, soak it in. Great content from industry leaders in church world and ministry. The church media podcast.com. On the next church media podcast. Next week, I'll welcome Kathleen Cook to the show. Kathleen is a founding partner and vice president at Cook Pictures in Hollywood. She's an award-winning actress and key creative leader. She's a national speaker and adjunct professor. She has years of experience in creating media content for the church and knows what it takes to help churches and ministries transform their worship experiences. She has a great new book out about how to get in the Word of God for yourself, a great gift for your volunteers. We'll talk about that and more. I welcome Kathleen next week on the show. Take a minute today and follow us on Twitter, if you would. Just search the word 12, the number 30, and the word media. That's our handle on on Twitter. 12, then the number 30, then the word media. Shoot us a message and let us know that you're out there. We'll send you a coupon code for some worship media as our gift to you. We would love to connect with you there. Thank you guys for listening. Go out there and create some amazing worship experiences this weekend. I'll catch you next week. The Church Media Podcast is a production of the Ministry of 1230 Media and produced by David Michael Hyde. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your team, visit thechurchmediapodcast.com.